0: hello out there it's time for the hockey minute your source for all your
1: hockey news and some opinion strap in for the fastest news in the nhl
0: this episode is proudly brought to you by absolutely nobody we don't have any sponsors now here's your hosts brandon and ryan hey matt can you hear us okay
2: yeah i can hear you who's that
0: now this is brandon here
2: Hi, Brandon.
0: How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you taking some time. You're
2: more than welcome. You're more than welcome. So, tell me a little bit about your about your shop here. What you're doing?
0: <laughs> uh, well, we uh, we have a, a weekly hockey podcast. We kind of cover all the news from around the league, and usually we have interviews with uh, kind of a wide range of people. I mean, we've had your producer on a couple of times. We've had some ex-NHLers, had had uh, Grant Fear on, and, and some guys like that. But we just try and kind of canvass. You know, as much as we can, Ryan, my co-host here, is a kind of a diehard Caps fan, so we managed to get uh, some, uh, some fandom from both sides. We try and be pretty even as far as uh, our coverage and all that kind of stuff.
2: Well, that was certainly an upgrade over Andrew Wadden, uh, if he was the first <laughs> name to drop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you moved I'll on appreciate. to actual NHLers after Andrew Wadden, wow. <laughs> Where are you guys based?
0: Uh, we're, we're both out here in Vancouver.
2: Oh, okay, cool. All right, yeah, so you're
0: yeah. local. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure.
2: Brandon and Ryan, I'm happy to help you guys out. Um,
0: appreciate
2: the time here.
0: You know, NHL
2: off season's about to start, so uh, that's a big time for us. I guess it has started. start. That's yeah. a big time for us at 1040. So, uh, yeah, let's talk yeah. about what's to come here.
0: Absolutely. I, I thought before we got into uh, kind of all that stuff, we'd just uh, kick us off with just a, a little bit of trivia. I'd like to see if I can uh, make Ryan look silly and see how, how, how you're going to do as well here. So like to, if, 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 if you're okay with it, I'll, I'll throw a, a few questions out here just to get us more. Sure. Better.
2: Let's get right into it. Pop quiz <laughs> off the
0: top. All right. Hopefully all right. So- multiple choice. <laughs> So which which NHL player has played in the most regular season wins during his career?
2: I think I'm going to go Chalk and go Gordie Howe. I mean, he played in a ton of wins in Detroit. And he played longer than anybody, so I'll go Gordie Howe.
0: All right, Ryan, any guesses? I'm going to say Messier. I think he's third all-time in games. He's he's second all-time in in wins. It's actually Scott Stevens, 859 regular season wins, which uh, I uh, I never would have guessed, actually. That's a terrific
2: stat. That's more than how. Wow.
0: Yeah, actually, so the the, uh, top four are uh, Scott Stevens, 859, Messier, 840, Ray Bork, 832, and then Larry Robinson with 815. When did oh. they
2: first start keeping the stat? Like, how far? How, is that the entirety of the National Hockey League history, or is that since a given year?
0: That's a really good question. I'll have to have to kick that back to one of our other uh, one of our other staff members on the team who put this whole list together. I just uh, I just read the quiz, so I'm I'm ignorant <laughs> to it as well. I'm not the quiz master. All right. Okay. <laughs> My quiz, right.
2: and then don't blame me. We're off to hell.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, that's pretty much the theme of the show here. So, uh, which which player is, is, the, is the only player to do this? He won the Heart Trophy and the Con Smythe in, in the same season on two separate occasions.
2: So, you first go through multiple Heart winners. There's not a lot of those. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then you go through teams that have won multiple cups, which brings me to Gretzky and Sydney. Let me just think this out because there's not Islander Heart trophies now. Habs, Bella, I'll just go Gretzky and Sydney and take us out of our misery
1: here, (laughs) right. Is it uh are you saying they've won two consmyths two hearts with the same team or with different teams?
0: No, so in in in, in the same season they won the heart trophy and then the consmyth oh, and did that two separate times. Gosh. Yeah. Man. Yeah, oh, yeah exactly.
1: Uh yeah, I mean, I'm thinking multiple Conn Smythe winners. Who, how many of those are there that also won the heart? I'm going to say Patrick Waugh.
0: Patrick Waugh and, and Gretzky both did that once, but uh, Bobby Orr, 1970 and 72. Oh, Not a bad player. So obvious, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, final one here. Which NHL player holds the rather strange record for the most regular season games played in a single season?
2: I encountered this recently. Um... I believe it's 85 games, is that right?
0: Close, 86. 80? Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. So then it's someone who's traded during the years when they played 84 games. If I'm not mistaken, I think there's an Islanders connection here. If I'm not mistaken, or
0: maybe a Whalers connection. Jeff Sanderson. Jimmy Carson. Jimmy Carson so a, a, a name that i am not honestly all that familiar with i'm uh, hell of a I'm player back created uh, yeah. yeah. for gretzky right
2: that's right that's oh, right
1: yeah uh, talk about pressure eh yeah we just traded you for wayne gretzky luckily it
2: wasn't alone there was like eight <laughs> <other things.
0: laughs>
1: 15 million came with you but yeah i nah, know exactly <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, all right, Matt, well, but before we get into all the Canucks talk, I, just, I was hoping we could talk a little bit about uh, your journey into journalism and, and broadcasting up to this point. I mean, when you were growing up, did you ever envision yourself in the position that you are in now?
2: Um, depends growing up. Probably not when I was very young, but by the time I started getting into my mid to late teens, yeah, no, that that was the aim. That was the goal. Um, you guys always want to talk about our journeys, huh? You know, It's always got to be that. <laughs> The step-up questions. Um, so, yeah, no, uh, late teens, I probably put everything into um, trying to get one of these jobs. And yep. and it's worked out for me. I love what I do. I wake up every morning loving what I do. Uh, I don't feel like I work, so I'm very pleased.
1: Were there any sports teams that uh, you followed when you were growing up?
2: My family moved around a little bit, so I didn't necessarily have like the home teams that were with us you know from knee high to a grasshopper sort of thing mm-hmm. but yeah no i went to and uh i went to a lot of games when i was a really young kid because my uncle had season tickets at the montreal forum and at the olympic stadium for the expos and then my family moved to calgary and we had season tickets for the stampeders so i watched a ton of uh sports i was in football at a very young age my dad was uh, a former player and, um, you know, of course, how could you not get into hockey? So, I followed a bunch of different teams for different reasons. Um, you know, like I grew up in the Islanders' heyday, and uh, our family had a loose connection to Mike Bossy. So, I was kind of an Islanders fan and, yeah. and a Bossy fan. And we were living in Calgary. We got there the same year that the Flames got there. So, so, those three and and the Canadians were my family's all from Montreal. And we'd go back there at Christmas and go to Habs games. So, I always followed those four teams when I was young and uh, um, I'd had different favorites over the years, but I haven't had a favorite NHL team in a long, long time. Uh, no, I haven't. I, I, I mean, you know, like I've enjoyed watching and covering the league in in many different Canadian markets. Um, so my favorite teams have sort of been outside of, outside of hockey i'm a big chicago bears fan in the nfl i've always followed the university of michigan teams uh football and basketball and i've been a blue jays fan in in toronto and uh, previous to that you know when the uh when baseball was structured so that never shall the AL and NL meet, unless it's the world series, I was an Expos fan, fan as well. You, you're never conflicted. Like they never played the Blue Jays in a game that matters. So, uh, yeah. So those were my te- like teams, quote unquote, that I followed. Um, but, uh, you know, like I had a broad sports experience uh, across many, many different sports and, and leagues growing up. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that uh, helped me help drive me the place i am today
0: do you find that just with covering hockey so closely that's what makes it so hard to still be a fan of any specific team yeah
2: yeah 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 a little bit uh a little bit although you know what winds up happening is you uh you know you form some bonds with people who are pretty strong fans of the team you're covering and so you know you find yourself rooting for their happiness in some regard right like you know it's your community you know and at our in our case at ten forty, it's our listenership, yeah. Um, which you know, I have tremendous regard for. Uh, you know, they're they're the people that help me make a living. Um, so, I, you know, I'm quite delighted to see a home team, particularly if it's a home team that's been long suffering. And I think the Vancouver Canucks. You have to check that box <laughs> for sure. That's <laughs> good. You know, do well, do well, and, yeah. and you know, see that community pride swell, and you know the people around you are in a better disposition and that's, that's
0: okay too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite a city too when the team's doing well. I mean, when the, when the whole, everybody's behind it, it's pretty amazing. It's kind of hard to beat
2: a hell of a province when the, when the Canucks are
0: doing well, yeah.
2: like that's the thing. It's a regional provincial team. Yeah, that's um, true. So, uh, no, no. And, and the way BC gets behind its Canucks, right. Um, is, uh, so impassioned, so so impassioned, and of course, uh, you know, they they don't have a Stanley Cup yet. So, like, you know, the big prize is still somewhere out there, and, and, and mm-hmm. you know that makes it so interesting, so palpable year to year.
1: How did you? Uh, how did you find your voice in broadcasting? I mean, he came up through the ranks of print journalism. So was it an I'm not sure I transition? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not sure I
2: have. Yeah, I I honest, no, guys, I honestly think about that question really often several times a week because my first internship in radio voice and finding your voice was a big part of the equation. Um, and, uh, you know, the guy who I sort of reported to who, uh, you know, had his own show. It was a business show and, um, you know, had made his way up the, uh, up the ranks. Um, You know, he talked to me often and took me around the newsroom and said sort of like, here's how, here's all the different people we have. Here's how they, they found their voice. I'm not sure that there's a tried and true formula, like where you go down a checklist and go, what about this? And what about that? And what about that? You do have to say, stay true to yourself in many, many facets of it because audiences typically see through phonies. Mm-hmm. So there are elements of your personality that you're going to have to bring to the show, to the station, to your on-air persona. But there are also things that you know, guys, understand. It's commercial radio; like they have to be cranked to the nine. Like personality, energy, all that has to be cranked yeah. to the nine. I don't walk around this apartment broadcasting to my girlfriend <laughs> like, <laughs> like I do when Blake and Andrew and I are having a great. Uh, debate on air so yeah uh although she might disagree and say you know what there are some times that you're too broadcasty with me so um yeah so the, the that's sort of the best that i can say is that i drew from elements of my personality and i understood sort of the business and some of its
0: imperatives uh of being on air just like speaking of uh, you and you and Blake, man, like you guys get into some pretty heated debates on the air, right? And obviously, I mean, for me, I, I've listened to a long time. I think uh, winter tires comes to mind for me, but I mean, it it, it seems like uh, you're it's they're authentic debates. But I mean, how do you um, like? It makes for great entertainment for the listener, but how do you find the line of what's what's acceptable and kind of what's too far?
2: I think if you ask Blake, he might tell he might tell you. I haven't found the line. <laughs> I crossed cross the line. There's a part of me that thinks that too, yeah. uh, I must say.
1: Well, I think we've grilled you enough, Matt. I, I know it's, uh, we've got all the answers we uh, we were looking for. Moving on to the Canucks, I mean, this season was, was obviously the most unconventional we'll probably ever see. But the Canucks had a great season. They end up actually making a very surprising playoff run. Now, you know, was there anything you saw that that jumped out to you in terms of the reason for their success? They
2: didn't add any kind of offense. We went <laughs>
1: years talking about how few
2: goals the Canucks as a collective scored. I want to say in a couple of those years, at you know, as a full collective of defense, they were outscored by individual defensemen around the league. Yeah. So. You know, they added nothing offensively, and they weren't particularly good at defending either. Uh, (laughs) And then along comes Quinn Hughes, who, needless to say, helps them offensively, helps their power play, but in effect helps them defensively as well, even if he's not the greatest one-on-one defensive matchup guy right now, because he transported the puck out of their zone. They were spending less time in their zone. He single-handedly transformed the defense core and, by extension, the team. So, uh, yeah, no, there were some guys that got better. Markstrom had another great year. Pedersen got better. Um, a few other guys got better. But Quinn Hughes came in and absolutely um, transformed this team.
1: Hey, what about the free agents for the Canucks? I mean, the big three, Markstrom, Tanev, Tofoley, are the Canucks – maybe going to be bringing back all three of those guys? or, or I mean, I hear TANF, Pittsburgh's basically said they'll give him a five-by-five five at this point. So
2: I don't know what to believe on TANF because here's the thing. Uh, I realize it's a weak right-shot defense market. I'm still having trouble conceptually with the idea if we lose out on Peterangelo, TANF is plan B or plan C. Like, they are altogether different defensemen. Yeah. Know, one, one is everything you look for. Chris Tanneff <laughs> isn't close to that with respect. Um, he's hurt all the time. He brings you no offense. He's on the wrong side of 30. And he's not particularly uh, on the upswing. I think you'd he argue he's on the decline. Uh, nor is he particularly a great truck puck transporter. So... Um, I keep hearing all this you know, money in turn that TANF is getting from people who are far more plugged in than me, like Darren Dreger and Rick Dollywall. But yeah. the first conversation I think a team has within itself when they're considering TANF is, all right, well, if we sign this guy to a four-year deal, he's going to play 60 games a year. He's going to miss 20 on average. That's a full season. So who else are we signing on right-side defense to supplement him? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the honest truth. Like if there is gonna be a repression in the market because of COVID and flat cap and those things, I would think it's going to affect a second pair defenseman who's in decline, doesn't bring offense, and is hurt a lot. So I think there's plus I think Taniff just wants to stay here. Uh yeah, yeah. He's with a Vancouver girl, they just joined a golf club, he's um only known the one organization, I would think that TANF will stay here for a certain price and term. You know, Toffoli and Marshram are more difficult subjects right now, honestly, guys, because of this Oliver Eckman Larson thing, Yeah, um, which I think has sort of jumped the queue here. And if it's not at the top of the line, and of course, this is the Arizona Coyotes timetable, I think more than the Canucks timetable, um, or Boston uh, as well. Um, If it's not jumped entirely to the front of the line, then it seems to be getting a lot of focus because this is a opportunity um, that they never thought would come up. And so we'll thus take some attention in the
1: here and now. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, obviously at the time of this recording, there's been tweets coming out all day from guys like Drager about, OEL, and then, you know, is it Louis Erickson going to go the other way, and who are they going to have to toss in as a roster player? And, I mean, you know, you have to imagine Arizona probably retains salary in that type of a trade as well. Um, yeah,
2: and that's the thing, like, Arizona's whole MO for doing this deal is they want to get out of his financial commitments that are coming forward. There's a lot of money involved there. Yeah, uh, More more money, I It's actually a middle loaded contract. He didn't get a ton of money in the first few years of this deal. He's going to get a ton in these middle block years. And then it peters out. It's almost like Roberto's. Uh, It's got a bit of a backdiving. So, you know, I don't see them wanting to retain salary back here. I think it's more, I think they realize they're going to have to take back salary because of that, I mean, they can't just shed $8 million in cap dollars off their books without not taking some back. And I, and I think the Canucks are in a position where they can move some contracts um, back. But, you know, here's the thing. is uh, Ekman Larson has put the Canucks and the Bruins. Like, those are the only two places he'll accept a trade. So yeah. you've got a 50-50 shot of landing this guy. You have a ton of leverage right now, right? It's a bad contract with the players got to no-move. And said he's only waving it for one of two markets. Like, you know, Jim Benning's got a pair of pocket aces here, basically yeah. in terms of, you know, what he can give back. Now we'll see about Erickson. I, I mean, I'm sure they'd want to move Erickson. I do wonder whether Sutter would be more palatable to Arizona because it's less money and it's and it's just one year as opposed to two. You wonder if Fertanen is involved in this, um, just to make the money come a little bit more. Uh, more equitable, and of course, you know, if Arizona takes players back instead of retaining money, then they're actually getting some utility for the money that they're um, forfeiting in this deal. Like, as soon as you retain money or buy, as soon as you retain money, you know, that's just an anchor, right? Uh, that's a detriment on, on your books going forward. If you're actually getting players instead of having to hold yeah. that money. You know, that, that's that got a little bit more utility. I would think that that's, uh, you know, is something that the Arizona Coyotes, given their books, are probably interested in. So, you know, uh, it's really funny. You know, we expected uh, to go into this final weekend before the offseason talking about Markstrom, Toffoli, and Tanoff. And I think the talking point right now is acting worse.
1: Yeah, well, and on the note of Markstrom, I mean, Demko had that incredible, albeit brief, playoff stint, but that seems to have – I mean it seems to have brought up the conversation of maybe letting Markstrom walk now. And and you know, I mean he's probably looking for six to seven million. Um whereas Demko's proven kinda of, I mean, this was Brandon and I have talked about this kind of like the Luongo Schneider story ten years ago, but uh are we gonna see a part two or maybe they let the, the veteran walk? Yeah, I mean I, I, I think
2: they'd like to keep both, but frankly, if this Ekman Larsen situation does play out, I I think it's likely that it's um, going to be one or the other, either because they don't have yeah. the money for Marshall and for money or because Demco's involved in the deal or because they're going to have to use Demco to go fill another spot on the team, uh, right side defense, right wing of Tafoli Leaf. You see, like, it's all connected, gents. That's the interesting part here, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, like the, uh, the hip bones connected to the thigh bones. Sort of things. No, they're all they're all interconnected uh, um, uh, deals that you're talking about. If you get Ekman Larson, that is going to set up a scenario in free agency that's just principally different than if you don't get Ekman Larson because of the magnitude of the contract and the player, and uh, because what it's going to do to your cap in this coming year, but for a number of years going forward.
1: About I mean, we're recording this the day before the draft. Uh I mean what are the Canucks gonna be looking for draft? I mean, they've in the last several years they've filled a lot of holes. Besser, I mean Yolevi was kind of iffy, but then you've got uh, Quinn Hughes, you've got Petterson you've got this I can't pronounce his last name, Podskolin or Pod. You know, something, something Russian. Yeah, he'll, he'll be here probably in another year. And, uh, I mean, the Canucks have been hitting home runs with these first-round picks, it seems.
2: But they have no first-round pick, and they have no second-round pick. So we're waiting around to pick 81 in the third round before they make a selection. And, you know, Benning's saying he's wanting to acquire draft picks to replace the picks that he moved out for J.T. Miller and for Tyler Toffoli uh and i suspect that everything ekman larson would obviously have an, uh, an effect on that as well yeah. and i say that and i say that because um he it, there's a fair chance he's going to cost some degree of pick or prospect um and so what does that do to your ability to get one back or are you even more determined uh if yeah. you're moving on a pick or a prospect for ekman larson and get back into the first two rounds of this draft and-
1: uh, you know, time will tell on that one. All right. Well, How um, did you
2: become a Capitals fan in
1: Vancouver? 0405 <laughs> uh, lockout. I was playing AAA, and I remember thinking this Ovechkin, this Russian kid with the tinted visor and the yellow laces, this, is, uh, this guy's got some style. So I ended up just jumping on the, the Capitals train.
2: But let me ask you that. I ask you this. Like, that would have been against the coach. <laughs> that would have been revolutionary the tinted visor. remember how much yeah. he got all oh, what a oh. showboat tinted yeah, but... visor yellow laces Wants well, to take these big clappers from everywhere um and you as a young kid were influenced now you don't say i
1: was yeah i mean it worked out really well because i uh you know, obviously went nowhere with hockey, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you weren't Ovepskin, huh? <laughs> No, I got the I got the CCM stick. I thought this will help, and uh, we played against Ray Ferraro's son, and he had about eight points Landon? and eleven nothing. Yeah, and lit us up, and, and I remember thinking, well, we're not all equals here on this ice surface, so maybe I'll just uh, I'll stop and host a podcast. Fifteen years later, uh, but, but uh, <laughs> I'll say this:
2: though, like hockey needs more of that. It needs more showmanship. Uh, it's a world, it's increasingly a world where you have to stand out, not blend in, uh, to capture attention. And, uh, look, I understand the game has some sacred cows and some of them I believe in, (laughs) but I do think it's got so many bridges to cross in terms of marketing and promotion and just attention grabbing uh, with the younger audience. We're in a, a country obviously that adores it. Uh, and yet, Ryan, I bet you saw this. Like, look at how freaking expensive it is to keep a kid in competitive elite hockey these days. Like, we are pricing a lot of people out of the minor hockey game at a certain age. And so. You know, the game has to have some electricity, some crackle, some forward momentum, some push. Um, And Ovechkin certainly did that now, didn't he, as we, you know, get closer to the end of his career than the beginning of it. He's been a marvelous, (laughs) marvelous Yeah. Uh, ambassador for the game.
1: Yeah, I think guys like Matthews and Eichel, they seem to have the you know they're they're a little snappy. PK Subban's probably marketing himself more than he's playing hockey nowadays, and so I think uh, I think it is really good. But you're right. I I mean Finland and Sweden these come uh, these countries are coming up, and Canada. I have a little nephew that there's no chance he'll ever play ice hockey just because of the fact that it's too expensive to to sign him up and everything. So
2: the other thing, and Ryan, I, I don't know what your experience was, but like I played uh, ice hockey after school every day as a kid yeah. because her dads would go out and make a homemade rink. And this was in a, this was in Ottawa where it gets bitter, bitterly cold. Uh, yeah. You know, people tell me Lost La, Lagoon, you freeze over here in Vancouver in the winter As you know, you need so many consecutive days at such a temperature to have good, skatable ice. And the fact of the matter is, is that climate change is preventing that in a a large part of the country, right? Like, uh, if Walter was raising Wayne in Brantford, Ontario today, he would not have conditions that would allow him to build that famous backyard rink of his, right? Like, this is all now artificial and costly if you're going to get it done, in your backyard.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just the problem though. I think is, I remember when I played, we did a gear drive when I was six or seven and all the Cloverdale minor hockey, they all, all the parents, they, they showed up, they passed down the gear to the younger kids. And that's kind of, you know, that was like, kind of how i got my start but my younger brother who uh played triple a hockey through most of his life and you know played with Jajar Kara, who's now with edmonton and yeah. i mean those guys those guys were playing triple a travel hockey down to you know phoenix one weekend to vegas another weekend like how my parents did it i have no idea but uh it's it's insanity now so
2: yeah no i hear you i hear you why are we going to Arizona to play minor hockey? We, we Played a lot of minor hockey. <laughs> yeah. That would be my yeah. first question. If yeah. I was a fair kid on that team, like, there's no shortage of minor hockey teams to play around here. There's no shortage of minor hockey teams to play a short drive away. Like, why would we put that many airfares? into play here to go down yeah.
1: to the desert and play hockey. But that's just me. It's all about growing the game, Matt. I mean, that's... Oh,
2: you know. that's right. Uh, I, 12 I, I, I would 12 love... 12-year-olds, it's incumbent <laughs> that they grow the game by playing yeah. their age group in Phoenix, Arizona.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, my brother would love me bringing this up, is that he got the shootout-winning goal in the tournament, and uh, he's he was... Uh, in 490... Phoenix? In Phoenix, uh, eighth round. So it wasn't like he was a top three guy. I, I got to keep him humble. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that was, you know, again, Phoenix and Vegas were, you know, it was those international tournaments, right? But you, you're right. They could have come to Vancouver and they could have played here. So.
2: What's your brother's name? Yeah, Joel. Joel, congratulations on growing <laughs> the game in Phoenix, Arizona with your tournament winner.
1: I'll just I I could be wrong I would think that Austin Matthews probably saw that shootout winner. Oh winter.
2: there you go there.
1: Hey, so you're welcome uh, Toronto Your family
2: has done a great oh. service to hockey and I'm sure the <laughs> prime minister will be calling the General, recalling shortly with an order of Canada
1: I'm sure I'm sure that that phone call's probably on the way there's bigger things going on but um Matt, uh, this has been awesome, man.
2: Is Brandon still on the?
1: No, his his internet. Uh, Did
2: he have to yeah. bounce?
1: No, his internet uh, was was faltering a little bit, so he's uh, he's been off. He's been he's been texting me saying just keep it going, but I don't think he's going to be coming back on here. So. Oh
2: my goodness! I know. Sorry to miss you, Matt. I'm sorry to miss you. <laughs>
1: Well, this, uh, this has been great, though, Matt, and thank you for taking time out of your, your life to come do this. Um, you guys, all you guys at TSN, I mean, Wadden's come on a couple of times as well. I mean, you guys have been so helpful, and, and we just really appreciate it. Uh, where can people listen to you more?
2: Uh, well, of course, TSN is 1040 on the AM dial. If you're in Vancouver, the Lower Mainland, we're also available through the TSN and iHeart radio apps. You can go to 10:40 tsn1040.ca to listen online or you can just talk to alexa you can talk to google <laughs> uh and say play tsn 1040 they'll get right they'll get right on that but i appreciate the time uh ryan and my regrets with brandon there um but uh who knows maybe we'll do this uh another time and i think it's going to be a very exciting uh, week here for the vancouver canucks to see how they build on this playoff team two rounds uh, not to mention whether or not some you know, some guys who have been here for a long time, like Chris Tanneff, stay yeah. around. If Tyler Chipotle forges a new future here. Uh, and, of course, if they can get Ekman Larson. So uh, a lot of things happen here
1: over the next week. And uh, appreciate talking about it with you. Appreciate you coming on. All right, everybody. Well, From all of us at Hockey Minute, thanks for tuning in.
0: We'd like to take a second to thank you, the listener, for joining us. And a big thanks goes to our writers and production team, Jules, Mark, and Matt. We couldn't do this without you. Make sure to follow
1: us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at the Minute, as well as leaving voicemails on our anchor page, at Hockey Minute. And always make sure to subscribe to whichever platform you listen to your
0: podcasts. That's going to do it for us. This is Brandon and Ryan. We'll talk to you next time on The Hockey Minute.
1: Well, that was interesting. I'm not this could not have happened to the worst person to be in charge of the tech because I'm afraid to turn this thing off. I don't know what's going to happen. What if I lose it? You know? This is the most stru- this is you can't see it, but I'm sweating right now. It's incredibly stressful. And Brandon's not picking up his phone either. So that's fantastic. Let's see here.
2: You
1: have reached. dude it's not it not a great look oh he's going to text me now this is fun you know? hey man i just don't want to i don't want to screw this up so
0: so I, <laughs> no, you're good I'm you're so yeah, you, you just have to close the meeting and then it'll it'll automatically save it either to the cloud or to your computer depending on what you picked. Okay.
1: So I just go stop.
0: Yeah, yeah. You go stop, and then when you uh, when you close the actual Zoom like the
1: I just meeting, hit end meeting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, end meeting for all, and then it'll uh, it'll process it. Oh, thank when God. The window will pop up.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
0: How'd it go? How is the air?